The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. I, you know, I, I really, I really wrote this book just for me. Like I, I wrote it. I wasn't thinking about people reading it. I I really just wrote it for myself and it was so nice. It was so nice. I mean, just to be, to be inside this book felt wonderful to me, even though I will also admit that I cried like pretty much every day. And welcome back to The Writer Files. I am still your humble host, Kelton Reed. Wishing you pages, patience, and perseverance per usual. New York Times bestselling author Emma Straub spoke to me about why everything in life is timing, how to write a book for yourself, time travel, and her latest, This Time Tomorrow. Emma's the bestselling author of five novels, including All Adults Here, The Vacationers, Modern Lovers, and Laura Lamont's Life in Pictures, the short story collection Other People We Married, and her books have been published in 20 countries. Her latest, This Time Tomorrow, has been named one of the most anticipated books of 2022 by Vogue, Oprah, E-Weekly, Glamour, Good Housekeeping, Marie Claire, Harper's Bazaar, Reader's Digest Today, Lit Hub, and many others. Described as a moving father-daughter story and a playful twist on the idea of time travel, Author Michael Chabon called the book a beautifully made, elegant music box of a novel that sets in motion its clever clockwork of delight and breaks your heart with its bittersweet, lingering song. Emma and her husband also own Books Are Magic, a popular independent bookstore in Brooklyn, New York. In this file, Emma and I discussed why getting an MFA helped her slow down her writing, how she met everyone in publishing at an indie bookshop, the unique perspective of Xennials, how to find confidence in pages while being off balance, why she'd drink less old English if she could go back, and a lot more. Stay calm and write on. And don't forget, you can always support this show by heading to writerfiles.fm, where you can also sign up for email updates, get links to merch, and other resources for writers. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click follow to automatically see new interviews in your podcatcher as soon as they're published and drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in to help other writers find us. All right, we are back on The Writer Files, and I am honored today to be joined by 
bestselling author, Emma Straub. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. Thank you. Thank you for calling. <laughs> you must be pretty excited. Uh, the latest coming out, um, I believe, tomorrow. <laughs> this time tomorrow. This, this time, time tomorrow. tomorrow. All, all the hoopla uh, <laughs> surrounding the latest. But I want to talk about this time tomorrow, of course. But let's talk about today. And uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about kind of your superhero origins, because I'm, <laughs> I'm fascinated by kind of, you know, your embrace of the DIY ethos and kind of bootstrapping this writing career, even though you kind of have, you know, written in the shadow of a of kind of a literary giant. But talk a little bit about um, how you got here and this fascinating kind of circuitous path to bestseller. Sure, sure. So yeah, I mean, I think like, it is true that I, um, you know, did some bootstrapping and a lot of DIY stuff, but it is simultaneously true that I I always had this network of very well connected, you know, publishing people around me because, because of my dad. So it's, you know, I, I don't want to give myself too much credit for, um, <laughs> for doing things on my own, because I think, you know, e even the things that I did do on my own, um, you know, all of that was possible uh, because of the sort of world that I was in or, or maybe not possible, but but it was eased by that. So I want to mm. I want to preface everything I say <laughs> with that self-awareness. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, you know, I always loved to write. It was always the only thing that I really liked to do. And I did it all the time. Um, and as soon as I graduated from college, really, I, I was like, yep, okay, now I'm a novelist. That, mm -hmm. that, here we go. And I started writing novels and I wrote mm, four novels in pretty quick succession. And because of my dad, I, I knew agents. And so I, it was easy for me to, to meet agents and, and, get hooked up with agents. Um, yeah. And it was also equally easy for me to start accumulating rejection letters <laughs> because, <laughs> right. because the books that I was writing were not at all good. And thank God for that, honestly. Like, thank God for that. Uh, because I think I would be in a really different position now if my juvenile drivel... Um, had been published. Uh, and so then when I was in my mid twenties, I went to, um, an MFA program, which I loved. Yeah. And I just started to slow it down really. You know, hmm. I, I was always so focused on, um, on writing novels and publishing novels that I was really rushing through the actual writing of it. Yeah. And my MFA program, I will always be grateful to uh, the University of Wisconsin-Madison mm -hmm. because it was just years of just talking about writing and just working on the writing. And that was so, so valuable to me. And then after that, um, <laughs> you know, it was, I met, I met someone in a, in a very strange way. I was working, <laughs> I was like working. Like you do. <laughs> like you do, you know, this is the, this is the truth of life and, and publishing <laughs> that I really know to be true now, um, is that everything in life is timing. It's just timing. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you have to be prepared 
for when that timing presents itself. Um, but you can't force the timing. It just happens. Hmm. And so for me, that was a guy who I knew a little bit because he, he had a website where he published short stories. He came to me. Um, uh, the first time he talked to me about it was when I was working at the merch booth at a magnetic fields concert. That was mm-hmm. one of my jobs. Yeah. Um, and he's like, Oh, you know, I want to, I want to start a small press. Uh, do you have a story collection? And I said, sure. <laughs> um, and then I went home and quickly put together a story collection. Yeah. So this small press uh, published, published my first book, other people we married. Hmm. And at that point I was, I was home from my MFA program and I was working at book court, which was my local independent bookstore. Mm-hmm. And working there, I met everyone in publishing. I mean, I wow. just, I yeah. met, I met everybody. I met so many writers. I met so many editors, so many agents, so many publicists, publicists. Um, and all of that put together meant that when I had a new novel that I was really proud of, um, that someone actually bought it and that changed my whole life. Amazing. Yeah. And that must've felt pretty good. Um, what was that conversation with your father like? Which, which one? The one where you said, Hey, I, I sold a book. Oh, 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 well, so, I mean, you know, my dad, my dad is really on my side for sure. Because when he read, when he read the first novel I wrote when I was 22, he left me a voicemail that I wish I still had. Um, and he said, Emma, you are going to sell this book for $300,000. <laughs> and of course I sold it for $0. I right. couldn't pay someone to publish it. Um, but so, yeah, no, he was, he was so proud. He's so proud. He's so proud. And now, um, of course. you know, this book, my new book has so much to do with him. So, uh, yeah. yeah, so it's nice. It's nice. Big Pete is getting a lot of love these days. Very cool. Um, well, congrats on the latest, of course. Um, this wall of blurbs is, is pretty cool to see. Very <laughs> impressive. Your peers coming out of the woodwork, of course. And the reviews, uh, st- stellar, I thought. It was nice of Michael Trebone to say mm-hmm. that um, this time tomorrow is a beautifully made, elegant music box of a novel that sets in motion its clever clockwork of delight, then breaks your heart with his bittersweet, lingering song. Very, very poetic. Yeah. But uh, I thought that, I thought it was pretty funny. The title of this piece, I think it's the USA Today time travel book. This time tomorrow makes the millennial midlife crisis fun. <laughs> That's a great title. How yeah. did you feel about that piece? That was pretty cool. Um, I, you know, I'm on the, I'm on the cusp. I identify <laughs> as a, as a, as an, like a geriatric millennial. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, I was born in 1980. So I'm, I'm like really on the line and it's, mm-hmm. it's very funny to me um, to see like when I get identified as a millennial, which of course <laughs> I take as a compliment because it makes me feel young. Younger, um, yeah. And when I get identified as Gen X, which feels like a diss and makes me feel old. So, <laughs> so I, so I loved it. I loved that piece. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, I, you are on the cusp and I think uh, because my wife is, um, there too. They've called that uh, strange little cusp area the exennial. Oh yeah, that's heard, me. There we yeah, go. Yeah, I don't know if you heard this term before, but th- and then they don't really identify with e- like the Gen X 
or the millennial, they're just kind of like, ah, screw you guys, you know, we're our own thing. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, that very much comes out in your, <laughs> your kind of in your own ethos. And, and of course, I want to talk about the transition to uh, bookstore owner mm-hmm. and kind of that Pandora's box as a writer. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books, and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview, and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Yeah, talk a little bit more about kind of the seeds of this time tomorrow and how you kind of, you know, embraced a little bit of semi-autobiographical pieces to uh, construct this really interesting time travel uh, you know, and I know it's not a, a traditional time travel sci-fi type book, but um, talk a little bit about kind of where the idea came from and then, you know, how or why you chose this particular modus. Sure. Um, so in 2020, in the in the spring of 2020, I was I had been writing a novel, you know, that was under contract and was going to be great. And I was excited about it. And I'd done a lot of research for it and all that. but then you know, once I'd been home with my kids for months during the pandemic, during the early part of the pandemic, I just, I couldn't write that book anymore. And I didn't have any childcare anyway, so Mm -hmm. I couldn't even if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. But by the time I had childcare again in the fall, I, 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 I couldn't go back to that book. And my father was in the hospital and he and I were having a great time together, <laughs> you mm. know, in mm-hmm. this funny way. Just, I mean, I, you know, I have two very loud, very 
uh, rambunctious children. <laughs> and, and when, you know, often when I'm with my parents, I'm also with my children, mm-hmm. which, which makes, you know, long sustained conversations impossible. And so when I would go and visit my dad in the hospital, we would be able to talk or just sit there or whatever for hours, um, which we hadn't been able to do for, you know, eight years since before I had children, really. Um, And so this book really, really grew out of that. It really grew out of, um, yeah, just really that that feeling um, that, you know, we all have or will have or have had, which is being faced with, um, you know, the death of, of your parents and thinking about <laughs> like how you got there and, and what you would do to stop it and, and where you'd rather be, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's a, it's a universal, it's a universal feeling. Um, and so that's what I did. I just dove on back. (laughs) Yeah. Nostalgic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So was it, was it hard to finish writing the book? Because it must've been kind of pleasurable to be in that, in that uh, mindset. It was, it was, I mean, it was, it was it was so pleasurable to write this book and i can say i don't know if this is a good or bad thing to admit to other people but i <laughs> you know i i really i really wrote this book just for me like i i wrote it i wasn't thinking about hmm. people reading it i i really just wrote it for myself and it was so nice it was so nice i mean just to be to be inside this book felt wonderful to me, even though I will also admit that I cried like pretty much every day, but you know, (laughs) it was 2020. So we were all crying every day. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was hard. It was hard to finish it and to let go of it. Um, but, but I was also really excited to be able to give it to my dad because he was home and, Mm. I didn't know that he would be when I started writing it or for most of the writing of it. Yeah. And so, so that felt really meaningful, you know, to be able to say here, <laughs> I made you something, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I just wanted to read, um, the books are magic. And I believe you wrote this, but Alice Stern, a 40-year-old New Yorker isn't sure about her life, sad about her dying science fiction writer father, and wakes up on her 16th birthday in 1996. Things that appear on the style sheet of this book. <laughs> a Tribe Called Quest, Peggy Sue Got Married, Barney Greengrass, Caboodles, The Color Me Bad episode of Beverly Hills 90210. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good episode. Bonnie Bell, Lip Smackers. I remember those. Gray's Papaya, Jeopardy, Jordan Catalano, JFK Jr., the AMNH, Old English, mm, yum, and Toast of <laughs> New York Lipstick. <laughs> yep, that's well, it. That's you, it. If, I could, if I could crack an Old English and pour some out for you right now, I would. <laughs> it's a love story about a father and a daughter. It's time travel. It's sad. It's funny. And I wrote it 
because I had to put everything that I was feeling somewhere. That's pretty amazing. Um, congratulations uh, on the latest. That's pretty exciting, pretty exciting stuff. Well, talk a little bit about that Pandora's box of becoming, you know, not, not only being a writer mom, but becoming a bookstore owner, somehow surviving a pandemic yeah. and publishing a new novel. I mean, yeah. all this stuff seems impossible to mortals, like j- just on, on its face, like one at a time, but like you're doing all these things at the same time. Um, you're somehow getting words onto the page and <laughs> shaping them into, into beautiful prose that, that people are reading and loving. Um, talk, talk about this, you know, how has your process changed? <laughs> oh God. I mean, when I think about my process, um, as it was <laughs> in my, in my youth, when I had less on my plate, um, God, it used to be so dreamy. Um, <laughs> and now it's, now it's, um, now it's, it's, now it's all over the place. I mean, it's, you know, I, <laughs> is it getting easier? Is it getting, uh, easier? <laughs> I mean, there, there's, there are definitely, there are certain things that are easier. I mean, I think the more books you write, uh, the more confidence you have in your mm. ability to, you know, write a start middle and ending of a novel like that, that gets easier for sure. Um, but what doesn't get easier is finding the hours in the day to do all of the things you have to do, you know, whether Mm -hmm. it's write a novel or, you know, have a day of meetings at the bookstore or make sure that the children get to the dentist or whatever, you know, it's, um, it's, that is, that is by far the hardest part of, of my working life is, Mm -hmm. is, um, is really being okay with the fact that there is no balance. Um, and that, and that I, I really have to sort of like zoom out and say like, okay, so like, what do I have to make sure is in place both in terms of childcare and in terms of (laughs) staff at the bookstore to make sure that like when I need to just be at home writing, that I can do that. Hmm. Um, I also like, I think that a lot of writer friends I have are like big procrastinators. Um, and Hmm. I am not like, I just, if I have six hours to write, I'm going to, I'm going to use those hours. Like I, I, I'm going to like, I am, up early, I am ready to work as soon as the children walk through the doors at school. Like I, <laughs> I, um, I have no time to waste. I mean, I would say that, you know, like my, if there's something that I need to work on as a person, it's like relaxation time. I don't know about that. <laughs> do you sleep? <laughs> I do sleep. Yeah, I oh, sleep. Good. I sleep. I, I do not stay up late. Like my body is like, shut down, you know, robot shutdown mode at like 9 PM. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I have, I would say one of my like, you know, best qualities as a, as a, as a <laughs> like person with multiple jobs is that I really am working all the time. And yeah, you know, the pandemic I, I has changed that a bit in, in a way that I think is probably really good for my mental health in the long run that like, 
you know, I think I now really understand that it's okay. Like I can love my jobs and I can work really hard. And I understand that nothing is quite as urgent as I thought it was, you know, and that Mm -hmm. like things can take time and things can shift and it's okay to not know something right away. Mm. Um, You know, I would say that like the last couple of years have, have, I, I really have been, yeah, just like trying to, um, trying to let go of my need to uh, like work at 150%, hmm. 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, managing that energy and stress and adrenaline yeah. and all that stuff. Well, um, are you a coffee or a tea drinker? <laughs> I'm a, I'm a tea I'm a tea drinker. Coffee doesn't agree with me, but but mm-hmm. I drink tea all day long, all day long, um, mm-hmm. and that's probably not better for me, you know, than like <laughs> someone who drinks like a a cappuccino in the morning. But hmm. I think in my brain, I'm like <laughs> I drink so much less caffeine than people who drink <laughs> coffee, but that it's a lie. It's a lie. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> How about a uh, favorite cocktail? Um, I like a Negroni. Oh, nice. I like a Negroni. Gin and Campari. And a little vermouth. And a little vermouth. Lovely. Yeah. That made my mouth water. <laughs> Probably a little too early for that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, um, before we kind of wrap up with your advice to your fellow scribes on just how to keep going, Talk a little bit about this amazing community that you've built there at Books Are Magic. And and I know, you know, we we kind of always try to like dovetail like, oh, like what's it like to own a bookstore and does it make yeah. you a better writer and that kind of stuff. But but talk more about like, I mean, you're fostering this fantastic community. You're you're still like rubbing elbows with all these um with your peers and these amazing writers and probably meeting people that that you you might not be hanging out yeah, with as yeah. much. Oh, for sure. You know, talk, yeah. just talk a little bit about the community and, oh, and fostering amazing. other writers' dreams yeah. because you've lived your dreams and yeah. you're kind of like a you're like a a hero to you know a super really a superhero to a lot of these people. But yeah, I mean, I don't know about that. I don't oh, know come about on. that. But Give I but I but it is but it is <laughs> um it is definitely my favorite part. One of my favorite parts of owning the bookstore is getting to getting to have this like sort of special kind of relationship with other writers, um, you know, ones who writers who I don't know, you mm. know, debut writers or I don't just like writers who who I wouldn't necessarily have encountered um, yeah. and just getting to champion their work and to sell their books and to tell everyone how great they are. Um, Mm. that that's, that's one of my favorite, that's one of my favorite parts of the job. And, you know, the thing that I, the thing that I missed the most when we were doing everything on zoom was not getting to meet writers in, in person. And now, you know, I'm not, I'm not there nearly as much for the evening events as I used to be. Um, Mm -hmm. I used to be at every event (laughs) we did, which, which I loved, which I loved so much. I time, you know, we, we started our events like a half an hour later than most bookstores do because Mm -hmm. I, 
so I could put my kids to bed and then <laughs> run over because <laughs> so cool. I live just a few blocks away. And so, yeah, I mean, that it, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. And I think that, you know, one could, one could work at a bookstore and say, oh, there, there are so many books. There are more books than I could ever read in my lifetime mm. in this room, you know, yeah. like what's the point? Um, of adding more, but I just, I just feel inspired. I feel inspired mm. by all the books and I, and I read much more widely now than I did before. Um, and I'm surrounded by my brilliant booksellers who read differently than I do. Um, which is the point, you know, like it, we all have our different tastes and likes and dislikes and obsessions. Um, mm. and that's, it's great. It, it, it has made like my, you know, world of books a much richer, more diverse place. Mm -hmm. You're like an independent book sommelier. <laughs> yeah, we all are. We all are. Every bookseller. <laughs> every bookseller is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, uh, yeah, uh, I did recently speak with Hernan Diaz, uh, author Yay. of Trust, and he uh, said, that he loved you. So I just well, I love him away. too. I love him too. And I love trust. Trust is amazing. Yeah, oh, this is really what a cool. book. Yes, yes. So uh, yeah, a fun one before we wrap up here. Uh, if you could have dinner with any author from any era to your favorite place in the world, who would you take? Where would you take them? All expenses paid, of course. And oh, you may have already had this this dinner. I, yeah, you know, I mean, given... well, that's, you know, I I mean, I feel really... I feel really lucky because I get to do that, you know? Um, but I would say I would take my dad to Grace Papaya. There you go. Oh. Bing, bang, boom. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> um, well, that is uh, quite apropos for this time tomorrow. Of course, I will link to the book. I will link to your home base there, which is emmastraub.net. Mm -hmm. I'll link to uh, Books Are Magic, of course. And... Um, yeah, you're on all the socials, so they can yeah. uh, listeners can connect with you at your home base there. Um, yeah. Congrats, uh, Thank you really, so much. really, congrats on the latest. I thought, uh, yeah, a whimsical twist on time travel. This time tomorrow asks the age-old and irresistible question: If you could revisit your teenage self, what would you do differently or try doing over again? Um, I definitely would drink less old English personally. <laughs> same, same, <but> yeah. same. <laughs> <laughs> All right, perfect. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, quickly, I know you got to run, but um, yeah, just a pearl of wisdom on how to keep going, how to persevere for, for uh, aspiring or established authors. I would say like the, my best my best advice is just to finish whatever it is that you're working on because you can make something, you can try to make something perfect forever, but you can't do anything with like a perfect half thing. Um, mm. So I would say finish it, finish it, finish it, finish it, and then worry about making it good. I like it. Finish it cubed. <laughs> lean on the craft. Very cool. Uh, any any other shout outs you want to give? I know you got to pop off of here, but we really appreciate your time, your wisdom. We hope you come back uh, yeah. again in the future. Yeah. No, thanks. Thanks for having me. It was truly a pleasure. <laughs> thanks so much for joining us for this file. And if you're a fan of the show, simply head over to writer 
writerfiles.fm for more. That's writerfiles.fm. 